0: And again, Jesus spoke, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so the Pharisee said to him, Are you bearing witness about yourself? Your testimony is not true. Yet Jesus said, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. You do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, and I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judges, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true, and I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. For if you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury and he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin." Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said to them, Will he kill himself? Since he says, Where I'm going, you cannot come. But he said to them, You are from below and I am from above and you are of this world and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I will declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. And so Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, Then you will know that I am He, and that I will do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And He sent me, and He's with me. He has not left me alone, for I am always to do the things that are pleasing to Him. As He said these many things, many believed in Him. May the Lord bless the reader and hearer of His Word.
1: Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and apart from him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overpower it. We'll let your eyes adjust here for a second as we lean into God's word in this incredible statement that Jesus has made about being the light and the life, really, of the world. Your eyes kind of adjust. Now it's a little bit bright, right? In there. It's amazing how God has given us eyes to be able to adjust and be able to accommodate that. But Jesus claims here, as we continue our conversation in John chapter 8, to be the light of the world. And he invites people to follow him as the one who conquers darkness and dispels darkness. Darkness and in that claim, in that incredible claim that he makes, he creates this incredible vision of the life change that was promised in the Old Testament and would occur in the New Testament in and through in and through him, and that aspect of being the light of the world as Jesus as Jesus explains that. Um, Jesus makes this incredible claim that he can so profoundly and deeply change our lives, the very course of our lives, the very pattern of our lives, the very walk of our lives, is the language that he uses, that we will be in step with him, with God Almighty, and walk away and out of, in darkness, into darkness. Light. And so in those extraordinary claims here, we embrace this incredible passage in John chapter 8 where Jesus gives his second of, of seven I am statements. These I am statements connect him with God Almighty, with Yahweh, with God's covenant name of the Old Testament to be able to say, the one who promised, the one who created everything, I am that person. And then he gives these seven pictures here. And today we are in this aspect of of light. And and so we want to look at this Jesus in this really elegant, simple kind of form, does something that John loves doing in the gospel as he puts these, as he helps us understand the way Jesus explained himself. Jesus uses these incredible, beautiful, simple words that are miles deep. He does this all throughout his gospel and, and we're, in a, we're in a section now where Jesus is going to use two simple words. They're simple in English, they're simple in Greek and, and yet at the same time they're miles deep. So what are the two words? Light And life. That's why I read from John chapter one in there as well, where Jesus claims right, where John claims that Jesus in him was life, and this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overpower it and so in this Jesus is light and he is life you heard that in the passage as Dom is Dom read it for us and in John chapter 8 where I'm going to invite you to turn to, to to John chapter 8 verse 12 and here's the principle we're going to look at in this first section here here thank you thank you very much. the much. that the light of Jesus cannot cannot excuse me that the light of Jesus cannot be overcome by the darkness of this world it, it can't it can't be overpowered, it can't be overcome, it can't be conquered by the darkness of this world. That's, that's what Jesus is claiming here. I am the light of the world, and the one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have in himself, in herself, the light of life. We see this in, in, in John chapter 8, we can look at that verse real quickly here. About, about the way that Jesus spoke about this, I am the light of the world. He who ever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Jesus is claiming something about himself, and he's also claiming something about the people who choose to follow him. What he's claiming about himself is that light, that which dispels moral darkness and all of the chaos associated with it, is in Jesus. He is the source of that kind of light. And he is also saying at the same time, incredibly, right, that the one who follows him, believes in him as the light, walks in the light. Walks in the light that Jesus Himself possesses and follows a path in which in which they do not walk in darkness, but they have the light of life. Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes the Bible is so simple and so clear that I just blow through it right there. So I just want to pause here for just a couple of seconds here to say to, to, to rehearse the fact that Jesus is claiming something extraordinary about himself, but almost and on the same level not quite he's also claiming something extraordinary about the power or the light that he is capable of giving to people people who have walked in darkness can walk away from darkness and into the light now i don't i don't know if you've ever kind of been in a place or in a situation or a circumstance in which the darkness was not your friend. Have you ever been in one of those places before? Yeah, where it's kind of like, uh, okay. I, uh, we've got some people, some friends, who tell who tell the story of being, for example, in Carlsbad Caverns. Any Carlsbad Caverns people or, or mammoth caves, I guess as well, right, where you go in, and so you go way down deep into the caverns, and then what does the guide do? They turn out the light, right? And so this friend tells the story of being in there, and his wife was terrified of darkness. And so he said, when I realized that the blood was dripping down onto my pants, because she had clawed into my, I leaned over to my son, and I said, turn on your watch. And he's like, what? Turn on your watch. He had, he had, you know, a watch that had a light on it. Turn it on. What, what, what? You know? What? Why? Dad, we, because I'm going to bleed to death. Okay? Please turn. Right? It's that 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 oppressive sense of almost. It almost feels palpable. De- Debbie and I. Um, lived in Orange County for a long, long time, and then we moved from there to near near Yosemite. It's, it's kind of the gold country is where we, we lived, and, uh, and so they, they call those kinds of communities sub-rural. It was a new, time, new term for us. It's kind of in between suburban and, and rural. And so we lived up there, and we had a little bit of elbow room, land or whatever. Some of you were like, oh, dude, why did you move? Anyway, okay, yes. And others of you are like, I can't do that. Yeah, I could never leave the beach. That's fine. I'm glad we're back. I'm not going to lie. So anyway, we're up there. We're in this sub-rural area. And and there are a couple different things that kind of got our attention that were new for us. The first one was that that there are no, on almost all of the, in almost all of the neighborhoods, there are no streetlights. Okay, I'm just pausing there because like, that's a really weird way to, way to drive. Like when you're cruising around, and, and, and because it's in the foothills of the Sierras, you have a million windy roads. Everybody lives on a windy road, right? I, I don't want, what's, can't, isn't there something straight? Anyway, there are no straight roads. So you're no street lights, no cell service, because it's mountain-y, right? So you could hit a patch you know, around the next corner where you have got nothing in there. And so you got curvy, and then you have Northern California weather, and we were just high enough to be able to get snow in the right circumstances. So you could have any or all of that that kind of stuff, and you can't see. This is not a pleasant, like, way to do stuff, right? And, well, and then there were power outages. So... The person that we bought the home from decided that they were done with power outages and put in a generator because they were the first in the line of when the power would go out. And so when you have that kind of darkness, okay, we were able to, you know, our, our, our stuff would come on or whatever, but you could walk outside and look out over the neighborhood. We were up on just a little bit of a knoll and you could, you could see out there and there was nothing to see. There were no lights anywhere. That aspect of darkness, right, is not always a welcome kind of thing. Debbie and I were in Israel only once, but we can't wait to go back, hopefully with a whole bunch of you someday as well. Ryan's been talking about it a little bit as well. And we were in a hotel at the Dead Sea, and we were looking north. And when you look north from the Dead Sea, kind of northwest, you see what is called the Wilderness of Judea. And as we looked out over on the wilderness of Judea, which is where Jesus experienced the temptation in the wilderness, when you look out, there's no lights. It is as black as black can be. It's incredible to look out and to see a place where there's, we had all this ambient light even when we were trying to have darkness in here. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world that there is darkness in the world, and I am the solution to that. Now, he is the solution to that in a whole bunch of different kinds of ways. But as we think about darkness, there's probably at least a couple levels that we, always, that we want to be thinking about it. There, there is a darkness that sometimes we might think that's, out, that's an out there thing. The out there thing can be a whole bunch of different kinds of ways. It can be like those people. It it, it can be enemies. It can be people on the other side or the wrong side, in your opinion, of a political aisle. It could be people that you're kind of at war with or see things really differently or, or, or. It's a they thing. And, what the Bible, and, and the Bible acknowledges that. Like there are systems and structures that are, well, they're influenced and sometimes even full of darkness. They, they are. But there's also an internal darkness. And the Bible invites us to embrace that at the same time. The, the, the Bible says that there's a darkness that can be in and is in us. So that we need light as much as the they need light. We all need light. People, systems, structures, societies, cultures, generations, millennia, all need light. And our eyes tend to adjust to the light that is available to us so that we think, It's not that dark. And what Jesus comes to proclaim to us is that he is the light of the world. And the ones that follow him will not walk in an eye-adjusted darkness, but will have in themselves the light of life. Now, that, that light of life has massive implications, not just for some eternity and not just for uh, forever and not just kind of a utopian kind of, well, we'll be in heaven someday with Jesus, but it actually comes to bear, it breaks into the darkness of, of the right now, the, uh, our, our right now. And, and John, the author of this gospel, also wrote three letters, short little letters, in which he continues this light, picture of who God is and who Jesus is and what it means to walk in the light. And he says this in 1 John chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say then that we have fellowship with him, the God of light, God is light, while we walk in darkness... He says, it doesn't make sense. We, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. John's saying a number of different things here about who God is and then who people can be in in him, because he is the light. So let me just, let me drop down. Let's start with this first little, this first aspect here. This is the message we have heard from him proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. This becomes, with God as light, and God is light, is a picture of his purity and his perfection that there's nothing in him that taints his purity and perfection. The the, the Bible frequently calls that God's holiness. Now, Sometimes holiness, unfortunately, in in a church can be a loaded term, right? We, we, We come up with terms like holier than thou, right? For example, and sometimes kind of in that horizontal relational kind of way, something that is so magnificent gets, well, it gets twisted in there. But God is holy, and what the Bible means by God is holy is that God is, is perfect and God is pure. He is magnificent, and what goes along with that in the Bible is that God is not just perfect and pure, but He is beautiful. That it shows us His, his beauty. Okay, so I mentioned we lived in Northern California, and, and um, we lived not far from Yosemite. Um, so we were kind of in the north part, we would come down, for those of you who are familiar with Semine, Yosemite, we would come down the 120, you can come kind of straight from west to east from Merced, and you can come up through the, the Merced River and see that, it's beautiful, or you can come up through the portal on the south up the 41, all of those places, and, and all of those places, you get to the place, you get to a place in the valley where you see the, where you, In Yosemite, where you see the valley for the first time. Some of you have been to Yosemite, right? How many of you have been to Yosemite before? Okay, a whole bunch of you. So you come to that place where you see the valley, right? Now, here's the sign that is not actually there when you come to that place where you can see the valley that says, it says, pull over. You should be in awe now. There's no sign that says that, right? Yeah. But what happens? You pull over because you're in awe. You're like, Okay, I've seen it in pictures, but oh my God, are you kidding me? And it doesn't matter what season it is, right? We just had friends post that were who were in the valley the other day and it's fall in the valley. So the trees are spectacular. Falls, not so much, trees, right? Absolutely spectacular. So you drive into the valley, you see Half Dome. You see El Cap. You see the falls, or what hopefully was left of the falls, and maybe the trees are there, or if it's winter, maybe the snow is there, or if it's springtime, it's exploding, or whatever it is that is going on. And no one needs to say you should be in awe now, because you're in awe now, because it's beautiful, right? It's like perfect. <laughs> it's pure. It's unbelievable. It is not man-made. And we could multiply that by all kinds of pictures, right? The purity of perfection, of all that we have collectively have posted about a sunset in North County San Diego, right? And you get the clouds just right and the pinks and the blues, right? And it's like you have got to be kidding, me, right. I'm looking at this right now. I have to post this. You get to the Grand Canyon and you look over the edge and you realize you can't see the bottom of the canyon and the immensity and you're thinking, you have got to be kidding me, right? And on and on and on. And that's just the physical world. And what John says is that, that God is light, and that, that God is perfect, that he is pure, that he is beautiful, and no one needs to tell us when we see him for who he is, we should be in awe now. There's no necessary sign. Because when we see him in his magnificence and his purity, we are in awe. And John says, that's what it means that God is light. Now, because God is light, remember this light that Jesus has gets to other human People and so John develops this. We'll go back to those verses in First John just for a minute here and look at the way that this hits us, right? So if we say we have fellowship with them, it just doesn't make sense. And we walk if we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the the, the truth. It d- doesn't make sense to be right to be a recipient of light and then walk in darkness. It's one of those oxymorons. How, you can't do that. You can't have like be full of garbage and say that wa- that what is in you is is pure but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all (laughs) sin okay that that's an interesting implication if we walk in the light as he is in the light then we will and we might fill in the blank with a lot of other different kinds of things right that we will worship or we will do things. There's a whole bunch of different things. But what he says, is, no, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. that that we will be a part of each other's lives, that the light will so change us that people who are part of a collective darkness and an eternal darkness will be so transformed, will be on a journey of transformation that is so profound that they will actually care and love one another. We will fellowship, community, closeness, arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, walk with one another, support each other, care for one another, be a people of God. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not always quick. I'm not always a quick study. <laughs> so, and, and I've been thinking about something for a few years now that it, it is helping me. Um, but it took me a long time. It, it, it's something like this, that I'm not invited to walk in the light simply for me. like, wow, yeah, you're not a quick study, bro. That's true, yeah. I, I'm not invited to, to walk in the light just so I can be my best version of myself. I, I'm not invited to walk into the life so light so that I can live my best life. I mean, all that kind of stuff can happen, but it's kind of ancillary that actually I'm invited to walk in the light, not just for myself, though I experience the joy of that, but for the benefit of other people, that God wants to move in my life so that I'm not just a receptacle of the light, I'm a conduit of the light. It's not just the light comes in and and helps me and changes me and gives me a certain kind of life and vitality. It's that the light shines through me to other people. Really. It almost sounds presumptuous in a sense, right? Like, ah. But it's exactly what's going on in a passage like this and many other passages. That God wants to so move in my life, in our lives, that we are not simply a receptacle where light comes in and it never gets out. Kind of a black hole effect, right? But just the opposite. That it radiates through us. A whole bunch of our ladies are going through the Sermon on the Mount with Jen Wilkin. and Jen. One of the pictures that Jesus develops in the Sermon on the Mount is that we are salt and light, right? And that we are the light of the world. And what Jesus, what Jesus then says is, look, you don't light a lamp. I mean, it's kind of funny, really actually very funny to be there. Because he probably had a big smile on his face. He said, look, you don't light a lamp and then put it under a bushel. <laughs> it seems silly to do that, right? Like, let's light something and then, and then make sure that no one can see the light. He said, in the same kind of way, you are the light of the world. So, my light comes in you and through you to bless other people. So here's kind of where I'm going. You and I don't grow just for ourselves. My my wife needs me to be a changing and changed person. She does? I need to be growing in order to love her. And we just can keep going in all the different kinds of relationships. We just became grandparents. Oh my gosh, how good is this? I, I, I purposefully did not have a grandbaby picture on here. That's not a joke. I, I just didn't because I'm not going to be that guy. But after the service, if you'd like to talk, I've got a cup, couple. The first bath was the other day. It was adorable. And oh my gosh. Anyway, our little granddaughter, she is just a doll. So, We have a granddaughter and my granddaughter and hopefully many other siblings and cousins need me to be coming, right? The kind of person that is changed by the light. Jesus sent him the light of the world. And it's not just a claim of who he is. It's a claim that in him is perfection in him is purity, in him is beauty, and that beauty he gives to other people who have walked in darkness, but now because they follow him, they will have in themselves and through themselves the light of life. See, Jesus invites you and me not just to believe that he is the light, but believe that because he is the light, he is able to give us his light, so that we do not walk in darkness. But we have and are not just receptacles, but conduits of the light of life. There's a second aspect that he develops here. We want that we want to just hit and acknowledge here in this great section here, In verses 21 through, well, really through the the. the uh, the rest of the section here, but we'll condense it here, is that Jesus all, not just claims to be the light of the world, but also the life of the world. And the, the life of Jesus is the only thing capable of conquering sin and death, is effectively what Jesus says in this second section. Where do you get that? We have verses 21 through 24 right here. I want you to listen for repeated phrases with me as I read this again, okay? It was a little while ago that we read this. And so Jesus said to them again, I'm going away, and you'll seek me, and you'll die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Okay, and now they're like, well, what are you going to do Here's the, what, He's going to kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come, and Jesus doesn't really answer that. He says, oh my gosh, you guys, you're from below. I'm, I'm from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world, and I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your Sins. Did you hear the repeated phrases there? You will die in your sins. Wow. Okay, so th- this is not like, hey, Jesus is going to help me live my best life and Jesus is going to, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot more at stake here. And what Jesus claims here. And begins and will continue through the balance of the gospel, as he said, "I'm not only the light of the world, though I am the light of the world, but as the light of the world, I'm also the life of the world, and as the life of the world, I am the only solution for sin and death. I mean I'm the only solution. Now, that's either super audacious and arrogant or true when we better listen, right right? In the Bible, sin and death are two sides of a similar coin, that that sin always brings a form of death. It always brings a form of separation. And so in that, we have these two sides of, of the coin, and when Jesus says you're going to die in your sins, it's because that's what happens. Death comes by sin. That's miles deep. It's developed in the New Testament. No time for it fully right Fully right now. But that's conceptually what Jesus is saying right here. And so he says, you are are not of this world, I am. I told you that you would die in your sins, but here's the part that we need to just like, okay, wait, there's hope. (laughs) For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That Jesus invites us to follow as the light, and he invites us to believe that he's actually able to do something about sin and death in all of its forms, all of them. That there will be a day where Jesus fully and finally crushes sin, where he vanquishes it, where he wins, where he he conquers it and it will be eradicated. I shared a little bit of a different picture of this, but I'll, I'll share maybe just a little bit of a different one today. That there, there, the Bible presents, and we sing this, and you can hear it in the songs that we sing. That that, that what Jesus has done in His death and His resurrection is is <clears throat> excuse me is He has accepted responsibility for the penalty of our sin. So Jesus has paid the penalty our sin but in addition to that jesus has broken the power of our sin that's why human beings can have his light in us and it can radiate through because he's broken the power of sin but there will one day be a time where the presence of sin is gone, gone where we are with him in eternity and all rebellion will be gone so every system that has been against him and warred against him will be gone. Every aspect of darkness will be completely vanquished. It will be gone. There will be no more evil. And it's one of the reasons why in the, in the Revelation, the, the, John talks about there will be a day where there will be no more crying or tears. And every time I read that at a memorial service, I cry because there will be no more crying or tears. Why? Because it's like I can't even imagine that world. And the and the rebellion that will be most surprising in eternity that will be gone will be mine. It'll be gone. All of my resistance. All my questioning, all my doubt, all my fear, all my whatabouts, all my I'm not really sure, all my shrinking, all my knuckleheaded selfish ambition, it'll be gone. It'll be removed from the cosmos, it will be gone. And the most surprising (laughs) will be mine. Because Jesus did something about the penalty. He does something about the power. And he will do something one day fully and finally about the presence. That's where this thing is heading. And what he invites us into now is to believe. To follow and to believe. Now, this, may, this is probably hitting us in a whole bunch of different kinds of, of places. If you're kind of new to the Jesus story and you're trying to figure him out, and we would, we would invite you to, to believe. To believe that because of his death and his resurrection that he is the one who is able to conquer all those things. He is the light of the world. He is the life of the world. For those of you who are kind of in a journey, and, and the journey is... Eh, it's kind of jagged. <laughs> and you came and you, you came with a backpack today. And, and the backpack has some rocks in it. And the rocks have all kinds of different names on them. They have a what about rock. They have a this is really hard rock. They have a I'm really confused rock. They have a relational friction rock. They have rock and right. And you have rocks. And Jesus invites us to walk in the light so that it dispels the darkness and he, involves us and, he, and he invites us to keep on walking and to keep on believing, to trust, to walk with him in the grind of it all. And for those of you maybe who are down the road and, and, and you are thinking, okay, yes, yeah, so I'm not quite at that place. My backpack is not full. Thank God for that. We need you. <laughs> we need you to walk with us and alongside of us. We need you to help us learn how to walk in the light, how to walk in his life. I'm going to invite the band to, to come back up. and We want to continue to, to sing and to, and to praise the Lord. But as you can see here, we've got our communion tables set up here. And we're going to celebrate this light and life of Jesus. So I'm going to invite Kent Koykendall, chairman of our Elder Board, to come up. And Kent is going to lead us in a time of celebrating the Lord's table.